Welcome to the She Runs It podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole DeBoom. And Sarah Ratzloff. We are two successful female business owners who have found strength, confidence, and community through fitness. And we want to share that gift with you. Join us as we talk about what really matters to active women. We can't wait to hang out with you. Now let's get started. Hey guys, I'm one of your hosts, Nicole DeBoom. Okay, before we start today's episode, I want to talk to you about the power of accountability. Because I know we are all busy people and we have big goals, but even the most ambitious of us sometimes falls into ruts or needs some extra motivation. Enter the Zuma Run Club. Zuma Run Club is an online run club for women that will help you achieve your running goal from 250 to 2,500 miles this year. So here's how it works. Once you join, you will get access to an amazing private Facebook community that is incredibly supportive and fun and cool. Um, You gain access to a Strava group. You'll get monthly challenges, virtual events, special offers. But most importantly, you will gain a community to help you do what you're setting out to do. The Zuma Run Club is about getting all the virtual accountability you need on your time to make your life the best it can be. So when you sign up, you're going to get a little discount here. Use the code SHERUNSIT for 10% off the paid membership. You can also sign up for free. You just get a few less perks. So either way, we are good. We just want you in there. If you have any kind of intention to set a running goal this year, go to zoomarun.com to make your run goals come true. All right, now let's get on with today's awesome episode. Hey, Nicole, how are you? Sarah, I'm so happy to see you. Episode six, can you believe it? We survived the first five. I know. I'm so excited. We have a podcast. We made a podcast. I know. It's a it's real thing. Awesome. And it's it's the coolest. And we already have a ton of reviews. And that's one thing we wanted to ask. If you are listening to this and loving it. Please leave us a review. <laughs> Tell us what you think. We prefer five stars. <laughs> Just, you have to ask for what you want, right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, I said it. Absolutely. We got it out of the way. Um, yeah. We're, we're having a blast up here in Steamboat and exploring all the ways you can have fun in snow, which I think is the exact opposite of your world. Yes. Yes. There's no snow here. There really will never be. Maybe once every 25 years. So, but we have some cooler weather. We got a little parkas out. You know, we ride our bikes around in the evenings and pretend like it's winter. You know, they call them jumpers in other countries. I, you know, I know that we went, uh, when I played rugby, we went to Scotland, England, and Wales. Scotland was, Wales was my favorite. That's right. Because they, I, I had no idea what they were saying and they kept talking about jumpers (laughs) and I, I didn't realize that was a shirt. I was, I was, I don't understand what, what are you saying there? And everyone was drinking too. So we didn't really know what was happening, but yeah, they do call them jumpers. You're right. I mean, all of this has so much to do with today's episode, right? Oh, that's right. We need to stay on topic, (laughs) which is called honor thy rye, rye covery. 
What is recovery? Recovery. Recovery. Honor thy recovery. And when we say recovery, that does not necessarily mean recovery from drinking. My my alcohol issues. It's not about recovery from your addictions. Nope. Nope. This is talking about taking some time to recover from your workouts, from your runs. And I am really excited because we have a very special guest who's joining us today um, to talk about recovery. She is a recovery expert. Um, And it's funny when we were chatting um, about recovery in one of our, um, in one of our team calls, um, our special guest got very, uh, she was very passionate about the subject. And I said, Nicole, we must have Coach Marsha um, on our podcast to talk about recovery because what she had to say was so fascinating to me. And it was very different from what I'd heard in the past. And so I really wanted to be able to talk with her um, about recovery and get her thoughts and her experience with it. So if you don't already know Coach Marsha, if you haven't done a Zuma challenge um, or interacted with her in some way, Marsha coaches all of our Zuma challenges. Um, she uh, teaches our ladies about um, running and about weights and cross training and recovery and hydration and all the things that you need to know as a runner um, about staying in shape, getting in shape, and meeting your fitness goals. So I would love to introduce and bring on uh, Coach Marsha Cadence right now. Yay! Hi, ladies. Thanks <laughs> Thanks Woo! for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Marsha. Well, Marsha, you know, you and I have worked together for um, quite some time, um, especially with you coming on as um, our coach through Zuma. So um, I have just loved getting to know you and you have such a unique story. So I thought maybe we could start out uh, with a little bit of your background and and what brought you here today. Well, my inspiration, as you know, but I think it's worthwhile sharing for everyone is that my, my role model is actually my father, and it's not necessarily a positive role model. It's he's the kind of he's the person I've had a front row seat for as long as I can remember watching him manage his health, or should I say mismanaging his health. He was the kind of guy who came home from work, had a big dinner, and then he flopped down on the couch with the cookies and the ice cream. And the next morning, us kids would go under that recliner to find out, you know, to find the bag of cookies or chips or whatever. But he got himself, you know, type two diabetes in his thirties and heart problems in his forties and fifties and massive heart surgery. So we, I always knew that there would come a day because of the genetics. I mean, all of his sisters had also died in their fifties of heart disease. So I knew there would come a day that if I didn't do something and really be proactive with my health, that I would end up in the same kind of condition. So he's kind of, he's my inspiration for sure. And I was an active enough school. I was, um, I was too good for track because I was doing dance and figure skating. (laughs) I did not. And I never that. really. 
I never really ran again until my 30s. I was doing, I was going to the gym and doing strength training and going to step class, but I just wasn't, I felt like I wanted to lose some weight. So I started running five and 10K for weight loss purposes. And that began on the treadmill in the gym. And it was brutal because we all know how boring a treadmill can be unless you really get your head in the right space. So that's what I did. I would throw a towel over the whole treadmill monitor so I would not see how slowly I was going. And I just, you know, you just kind of bear down and struggle until you get it. And I think it was fine. I was running 5 and 10K for a long time. And I think it was 2007 where I finally said, I'm going to try because I always wondered what would a marathon, what would it be like if I ran a marathon? I didn't want to die thinking I wish I would have known, you know, so I figured I'm going to do a marathon this year. And I also trained for a half. So I ran my first half and full marathons in 2007. Sadly, that 2007 Chicago Marathon was the one that was a billion degrees and it was canceled while I was at mile 22 of the race. Oh, yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. So they were, it's like board the cooling buses and, you know, but any runner knows you don't come 22 miles to quit and board a cooling bus. So I did finish, but I, you know, I was swearing across that finish line. And I, first thing I said to my husband was I am never doing another one. (laughs) And, but of course it gave, I gave it about, you know, three days and I was already looking for another race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then um, the following year, I, I was looked for something that had no risk of being hot because I, you know, you just have post-traumatic stress about that heat after what I'd gone through. So I ran a marathon in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I ran a BQ. Oh, wow. So when you qualify for Boston, you've got to run Boston. And it was kind of a, it was just kind of a, I, I just slipped into a vortex where it's like you qualify for Boston, you run Boston. And then I, I qualified two more times, and it, you know, 14 marathons later, here I am. And I've, you know, I, in 2019, I finished the six world marathon majors. Yeah. So it was just, that was one of those goals where I just thought I was really shooting my mouth off and I never really made efforts to chip those away. But then I, then I kind of said, Marsha, you know, you should really, if you said yeah. you're going to do it, you better get on that. So you know how hard some of those races are to get in. So I was yeah. so lucky. I swear the universe really smiled at me in 2019 because I had what they call the sparkly unicorn entry. I got in through the lottery to London, which wow. is pretty much unheard of. And that's yeah. where I finished my sixth and final. So that's kind of how I, that's definitely how I became a runner. And yeah. my passion is training women who are 40, 40 plus, because we're a very unique group. And I've come to understand as I've aged myself, that we have special needs. And one of those that is probably maybe among the most important is recovery. Yes. That was a great segue, Marcia. Um, it was, but <laughs> you brought it home. You guys, I have to go back to something, which was this concept of give it three days. You know, you finish a race and you're like, I'm never doing that again. It was so painful. It was horrible. And then three days later, give it three days. The person with you just has to roll their eyes and be like, give it three days. Walk I know away. it's it's madness, but there I was like on whatever that website is where you just shop in marathons. I was like, well, what, when can I be ready for another one without hurting myself? It's, it is, it's sheer insanity. 
it's you know that's what the entire industry is built on i mean as someone who's worked in the industry i'm like well well yeah that's how we get you we get you right back (laughs) sign up again you know well and i i don't know if you guys know i um because I was never a runner. I ran, I played sports and running was our punishment. And so I decided when I started working at Disney that um, I would run a race to figure out like, why, why are all of these people purposely signing up and paying money to run 13 miles? And then I finished and I was like, oh man, I could have done better. And then I got it. Like immediately I was like, oh, this is, it's like self-competition in the most amazing way and it's painful and you're cursing throughout the whole time but then you cross that finish line and it's it's really cool well, and you know that's what zuma is built on really is us helping so many women across the finish line and and skirt sports has done the same as well as you know making women look good and feel comfortable and be happy and and yep. and all of those things and i think Marsha, what we've seen in Zuma and part of what how we've adapted our challenges over time is so many women are getting injured, myself included. I actually haven't run um, seriously since I had my kids because I have injury after injury after injury because I, I never, I actually don't even, I'm very excited about today because I don't really know what recovery is and I'm certainly not <laughs> good at it. So, yes. you know. Marsha, I think like what Sarah's getting to and something you just said when you were, you know, sharing a little more about this experience was the difference between the average person who doesn't know what they're doing and the person who's going to walk away from this episode enlightened. You said, what marathon can I be ready for next without getting injured? Yes. Without hurting myself. And I think that's why we're here today. It's just what Sarah also said. This is all about being able to run or stay fit or do your fitness routine in your life for the long term without hurting yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we should just start with this whole concept of what is recovery. So we all know any of us who's ever hit the pavement, we know how difficult running is. Of course, it gets easier the more you do it and the more consistent you are. But every time you run, you put your body through so much. It's high impact. It's heavy cardio. It it really changes your body and your mind. But you need what I see, especially women. Well, maybe men, too, but I pay attention to women. But (laughs) we just come out of the gate so fast. We're, we have so much enthusiasm. We tend to do too much too soon and we are burnt out and or injured. So recovery is that beautiful thing of cutting back. And there are three facets of recovery. One is the 30 minutes after you've run. That's your first window of time that you need to address recovery. And I'm guilty as charged. I've blown this off way too many times. And then I feel how tight I've gotten. So that 30 minute window of time, it's so important to hydrate. And I mean something with electrolytes because running, even if it's zero degrees out, you're going to be sweating and you're going to be losing liquids, electrolytes, minerals, all that stuff. So it's important to hydrate, you grab, a, you, maybe you can't get your, your meal together, but a little snack, just something to stop the cortisol because you have a stress hormone when you do a stressful activity like running is Mm -hmm. and a little stretch and foam roll those you know your foam roller is your bff you've got to foam roll 
my IT bands were so unhappy until I made close friends with that foam roller. And it has been life-changing. So that's that 30-minute window of time. If you can do those things, not just walk in and start cooking the kids breakfast, you know what I mean? Because it's so easy to just finish the run and blow off yourself. I'm notorious for it. But so, there's Marcia, that- and this is interesting because really what you're describing is sort of an active recovery, right? I guess I always think recovery is don't do anything. Um, obviously, oh, right. No, that's not recovery. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it, oh, like you may stretch down a little bit or whatever, but you're saying you need to make sure you hydrate, eat something, um, and then stretch and foam roll. Yeah. Within the 30 minute window after mm-hmm. you are finished. Mm-hmm. It, and this can be a run or a workout, whatever kind of you're saying, anytime you put like some stress on your body. Yes. Um, in a major way, you need to do this recovery. Okay. Yeah, ideally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the first facet of recovery. The second facet is when you're running longer miles or you're doing quality work, which would mean you're doing speed work or tempo work, or you've done a race or marathon training where you're running, you know, 10 miles where you're really putting some stress on your body, you need to pay more attention to recovery. Like when you're doing your training runs, your long training runs for a marathon, say, or half marathon even, it's important. I mean, I know very few of us can take half a day and just soak in the tub with the Epsom salts. But I'll tell you what, if you can get some compression socks on and you can get in a, you know, an ice bath is one thing. I used to do ice baths all the time, but I found a tepid Epsom salt bath is just as good. So it's kind of like try try them both and see what works for you. But when you are committed to a large, a longer race, you need to commit to take care of yourself better as well. So that's the second kind of the second step of recovery. You can't just, you know, grab a little snack. Then you need a meal, which is a four to one carbs to protein. And that's not as complex as it sounds. It's a simple turkey sandwich. It's a protein smoothie. It is eggs and veggies. Those will give you that carb to to, um, protein ratio that you need for recovery. So that's something too that you need definitely need to have after you're doing a long training run. Can I ask a question when you said like, you know, get, get some compression socks on or get in the ice bath or Epsom salts, not, this doesn't include nutrition yet, but um, why is that? Are you flushing out toxins? Are you stopping your stress response quicker or what is that doing? What I find is it helps the blood flow because your blood will all start going down to the muscles. Because when you're running, you're de- you're tearing down your muscles, and when you tear down the muscles, you get your your infl- you get inflammation. So blood floods to those places to start repairing that, and that's inflammation. But that's what causes muscle soreness. So if you can put the compression socks on, actually what I do is grab a little something to eat, get in the tub. I even do this magnesium rub, (laughs) but it's, it's directly because I'll put magnesium flakes. It's like, it's the same thing that's found in Epsom salts. It's, it's the mineral that soothes the body and the muscles. So it just, it helps stop that inflammatory response. So you won't get horrible muscle soreness after. So I just have to say, like, I feel kind of like an asshole right now 
because I've been a lifelong athlete and I know these things and I still work out all the time. I don't go for like huge goals anymore at this point in my life, but um, I literally the only even on part one, the first 30 minutes, the only thing I do is run in and start eating food. And it's not probably even the best food. Like today I ran in and started eating monkey bread that we bought at the bakery. Mm. And that was my recovery. And I'm like, why aren't I doing electrolytes? Like, is this just, I've got to change some habits again. Cause I honestly, like, there's this other thought that, Hey, if you're sore, that's kind of cool. Like you worked really hard. Right. That's yeah. a good workout. <laughs> well, and I'm so glad because I'm I'm sitting here thinking like I'm the only asshole over here that's never done this. Cause I'm like, well, here's Nicole who's a pro triathlete. I'm of course she knows all these things, you know, but um, we don't do them all the time. Well, it kind of makes me feel better to know that you haven't done these either. And uh, honestly, as an athlete, I don't know that anyone no one ever talked to me. Like none of my coaches, we didn't talk about, you know, you might, you might cool down a little bit or you might stretch down, but there was we an ice baths. There were definitely ice baths, but it was like, there wasn't really an understanding of, of how this would. And I was never an athlete at the level that it, that it probably mattered that much, but this just was really never, I think, talked about or focused on it. And I think you said something interesting, Marsha, when you said, um, if you're going to commit to training, then you also have to commit to the recovery. Um, and I think that's a really key component that a lot of women don't, we simply don't, we don't do because it somehow the recovery doesn't seem worthwhile, right? Like yeah. the running or the workout is like, I don't know. It, it feels like you sh can make time for that, but the recovery is like, Oh, maybe if I want but the to. thing is, especially if you're new to running, this is the first time your body has seen 10 miles or 12 right. miles or five miles. So it's crucial that you recover properly because the, we all know the worst thing you can do is be going along on a training plan. And all of a sudden, guess what? Something's not feeling good and you are injured and you are SOL on that race. That is a terrible feeling. So investing in yourself with recovery it's just smart. It just, you know, it just minimizes the risk and it helps you get to that starting line. Yeah. No, Marcia, do you think that our recovery needs change as we age? So what you've described here is this, is this, you know, no matter what age you are, this is how you're doing it. Or as you kind of get older, you need to do things differently? Yeah. I, I mentioned newer runners. Newer runners really need to be mindful and careful with recovery and make sure they do it because they're prone. Like I said, your body's not seen it, but when we get older and those hormones shift somewhere, usually in our forties and we start hitting fifties and menopause and stuff. I had an epiphany last year with, I didn't know what the heck was going on. And yes, it takes you longer to recover and that's fine. It's expected. You just have to go with it and accept it, but you can still be a successful, strong runner. You just need to devote more time and to know not to, even when a training plan might show that you need to do, you know, speed work and tempo work and whatever, you need to listen to your body. And if you're not feeling it, you need to shuffle those days until you are. And I'm not saying in your head, make excuses, but there are days where I was just like, 
I'm too damn sore. I know I'm not going to get out there and do a tempo run today. So you do an easy something or you get on the bike or, you know, you just do something else. And that's where cross training comes in, especially for us older ladies. It is worth its weight in gold. So you have had, um, you shared an interesting experience um, with me where, because you're, you are great at working out, you do a lot of cross training, um, you run a lot, but you actually shared it um, that recently um, you have reduced the amount of running and workouts and seen really great results. Yeah, I when I hit menopause, and all of a sudden you start getting this big belly, and you know I'm running the London Marathon. I mean, how much more exercise can you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, what the? Hell? And I was eating as well as I ever had. I'm running for hours. I'm like, what the heck? It's embarrassing because you feel like you know what to do, and yet this this damn belly is growing and growing. Well, here it is. I finally had the epiphany that it, this past year. When you hit menopause, your estrogen drops. Your estrogen buffers stress. So when you don't have it like we do when we're younger, your cortisol comes up. And what is cortisol? It is a fat storage hormone. And where does it go? It goes right around your belly. So I was running. I was working out too hard. It's it's so counterintuitive Mm -hmm. because I see so many women still doing it. And, yeah. and I learned something really important with cortisol. Now, if I just have a little snack before I run, it buffers the cortisol. Interesting. And well, so that's, all of a sudden the belly fat's going away. It, it, that's right? another, like, that's such a cool little trick. But I also think a lot of people can't run when they eat food right beforehand. So it's kind of got to be something that you like, you learn how to do. And it's well, funny. It, you don't have to eat like the biggest thing. I'm talking about the tiniest, like not even half a bar, a couple of bites. Yeah. You know, totally. but I, but to be honest, I don't run. I've not been running. I think the most I run is five or six miles now where it used to be, you know, 10, 12, 18, 20. I, I just haven't done that since. You know, Marsha, there's also this um, sort of technique that coaches have started to use over the years because the generation of 50, 60, 70 year olds is really the first generation that's been working out at the volume and intensity that that we, you know, did in our younger years. And so it's pretty interesting because everybody is a living experiment right now, but Mm -hmm. that, you know, say you, you go off of training by a one week training period. Right. And as you get older, say one decade later, two decades later, that training needs to be spread out through like 10 days, not a week or 14 days. So like, you're literally doing the same amount of training, but you're doing it in more days. So it feels like you're not doing as much. And I think there's a mental piece of this as well. So how can we know when the time is to like back off a little bit on, like you said, the overtraining and really honor ourselves, which is the title of this episode. Yeah. It's so hard, especially now. And I started running before social media was, rampant. So I didn't have the pressure that we have now with, you know, social media, you see people posting, you know, I ran double workout today. I ran in the morning and I ran at night and I'm doing, you know, these back-to-back races and I all this stuff. And it's like, that may be fine for her, 
but it may not be fine for you. And you really have to learn to listen to your body because if you don't feel good, you know, you, you just can't push that way. And it's, it's not always the best idea. But I do think there's so much pressure on social media of things that just aren't good ideas for most people. Do you think people can figure out their line between like recovery and injury, you know, without actually going over the line the first time? You really have to tune into your body and know the signs. And one of the first of that first is if you feel really cranky or you're not sleeping well at night, or if you really want to get technical, you could take a morning pulse. And when that starts going up, you're hitting overtraining. So that's more of a scientific way, but you can, I I always notice when I get a little snippy (laughs) that I'm probably, you know, pushing over my edge. Yeah. Tim used to say when, when bitchy comes out, uh, (laughs) we know we need to back off on Nicole's training. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is all like absolutely so important. And I love the age part of it too, because I mean, 30 year olds are listening. Well, you're even different at 30 than you were at 20. But like you said earlier, all of this is sort of thrown out the window when you're a brand new runner. And a lot of people listening are new to sport or rediscovering it after decades of not being an athlete. They're They're finding their inner athlete again. So, you know, I, one thing that really hit me was when I was racing seriously and as a professional triathlete, they used to say there were four sports. There was swimming, cycling, running, and recovery. So and if smart. You, if you did not take your recovery seriously, then you're done. You can't even get to the starting line. Yeah. You know, I was reading, I was reading some research and they said the average elite spends one to four hours per day on recovery, which to us mere mortals, we don't do that. Well, what does that mean? Like, do they have a team of masseuses, you know, like stepping on them all day? And I've read things about Dina Castor where she'll take two naps and get a massage in the middle and all this stuff, but you know, she's working hard and do it, you know, so, you know, but that's not... Right. Exactly. When you are an an elite runner like that, that is your job. That is your sole focus. Us moms out here who are down in their basement pain cave, (laughs) it's a different story. Yeah. I I didn't know you could have some like professional masseuse and chefs making you things as part of your job. I think maybe I. (laughs) No, we kind of missed the boat on that. (laughs) We totally missed the boat on that one. So, well, Marsha, what about sleep? So speaking of this, right, um, if they're taking naps or which is probably maybe in COVID, maybe a little easier for people to take a midday nap. But normally, you know, let's say you got a long run in the morning or something along those lines. How does sleep um, factor into your recovery, would you say? Sleep is one of the most important things you can do because it's during sleep that your body repairs, it goes about repairing all of the tissues and it's really where your body repairs and steps up. I mean, I, I have so many women, even in my challenge that I'm doing right now that are so proud of never taking a rest day because they feel that a rest day equals a slacking day. And they're very proud of never stopping. And, but if you never stop, your body never has time to repair and you don't gain fitness because you're always ripping it down. 
So it's like, I can't stress that enough. And I just hope women hear that sleep is so, so instrumental. You know, I, I also have been thinking about this idea that we were talking about earlier that you finish a race and then you kind of want to do another one. And a lot of times we have to force ourselves to actually recover because you might feel pretty good Mm -hmm. for a while. But then when you start adding on these aggregate races, I think the, the aggregate exhaustion, you know, also comes with it. So what is the rule of thumb? Is there a rule of thumb between maybe say doing a 5k? How long do you have to wait to do another one or, uh, or a marathon or whatever? Well, the rule of thumb is one day of recovery for every mile. So technically, if you've run a marathon, you've got 26 days where you shouldn't be expecting too much of yourself. Now, I've broken that one. I mean, we probably all have, but that is the rule of thumb. But for, I mean, for everybody, it's just individual. We all, we all do our best at different mileage thresholds. I'm a low mileage runner. I always was. I like, short and intense. I love intensity. I love things that build muscle. I love cross training, but there's some people who do great on long, slow distance and lots of it. So it's just really specific to the individual. Okay. So I'm wondering, you know, for those, for those um, women out there listening who sort of like to be active um, all the time. um, And as we're talking um, and I'm learning so much and and what recovery you're saying is not necessarily just sitting around doing nothing but you can really be more active recovery does something like yoga um count like can yoga or like a low impact sort of body movement stretch count as a recovery it could it could i would advise to be careful with yoga i've noticed after half marathons are longer. If I show up at yoga the next day, I can't even balance. I'm just like, whoa. (laughs) But yes, very gentle yoga. Maybe don't go to a class with other people. (laughs) Right. So what would be like cross training activities that would be sort of, would apply towards the recovery rule? Well, and I've never, I I love a walk, a nice, easy walk. Like even with my run streakers, I say it's always good to walk. If you're hurting and you know, you've run more than you ever have, take a walk day. There is no shame in taking a walk. Or if you've got a bike, just a nice, easy flush on the bike, easy. And if you can get in the water, oh my goodness, there's just so many good things for your joints because running just pounds the crap out of them. So just go for low impact. You're saying something like a, a, a nice leisurely bike ride, a walk, even a nice swim can qualify as recovery. Is that sure? Yes. Okay. That which I think is an interesting thing to note, especially if you like moving, that doesn't mean you have to stop moving and do nothing, but, um, just, yeah. And on that note, like, um, I think one of the things that happens is we finish a race, we get a high, our endorphins are just going crazy and we're loving it. And we want that feeling to continue. And if we have to dead stop and do nothing, I mean, we could, we, uh, I would say are definitely at higher risk of like heading down a little depression shoot. And so Mm -hmm. if you can 
keep moving through walking or whatever's accessible to you that doesn't have a lot of impact on your joints, it's not going to make you sore. Maybe that's one of the rules of thumb, the activities that won't make you sore. I mean, there's a reason all the old ladies in their funny little swim caps are swimming when they're 80 years old, because it's a recovery tool. I totally believe you've got to keep moving. It's the, it's the fountain of youth. I'm not saying you need to run marathons, but just keep moving. Yeah. I love it. So Marsha, are you, you are super passionate about this. I mean, we talked a little bit, we gave some practical tips about like, when you come in from a workout, here's what you do. Part one, part two, did we miss anything? I feel like we, we moved on from that really quickly. Like, is there a part three and a part four and part five? (laughs) Well, the third and final part that I want to um, mention is that when you are choosing a training plan, you should look at the weeks And make sure every third or fourth week is a cutback week because a training plan should be designed so that you build, 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 and then ease back and let your body kind of digest and let the magic happen because that's how you you just can't keep tearing down. When I started running, I didn't know that. And I would get on the treadmill and do one mile. And then the next week was two. And then I got up to five miles. Every run was five miles. Every run was six. Every run was seven. And I didn't know that I should back it off and let my body just kind of absorb and step up to that new level of fitness. So that's look. That's the, the um, a good element of a good training plan. Look for that cutback week before you build further. That's I think that's great. key. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, most of the women listening, we are like driven people. We do not, we do not take time off. We do not rest. You know, we yeah. go, go, go. So it's kind of a mental shift to embrace and love your recovery day because you yeah. earned it. A lot of people maybe don't look at it as a a reward, but it is a reward. Yeah. You should be so proud of yourself for being consistent on a training plan. It is a massive achievement. It really is. And if your body's just doing amazing things and just give it that recovery, it's fantastic. So can I do a little like, um, a supply closet checklist so people have what they need for proper recovery? So we've got- what electrolytes got to have yes. those you want okay, what electrolytes else? what else yes a foam roller you mentioned oh yes yes the firmest you can stand you might want to st- start with the softest one but if you can get to a pretty firm one your body will thank you the firmer the better it hurts but yeah you'll you'll get used to it yeah, i like <laughs> it and um you mentioned epsom salts compression socks like how yeah. important are all these things Yeah. I mean, compression, some people love running in compression. I save my compression for half marathon training or marathon training. I don't do, I don't necessarily like it. You know, even if you do nothing else, just come in from a run and shimmy up to the wall and put your legs up the wall and just lay there and breathe. It's fabulous. Just feel the blood just come out of your feet. It's just such a gift really, isn't it? Simple. We all have a wall. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a tennis ball because your booty needs that tennis ball because hamstrings at that insertion point get very angry. So you wiggle around on a ball. Yeah. Just kind of circle around (laughs) on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What else? I mean, a mat or carpet. We all have that. That's nothing special. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, How 
like if you were to have a, a little ring of service providers that you might call on, we talked about massage. I mean, how important do you think it is for people to have massage or acupuncture or, you know, all the things that you could do? You know, I'm not, I, I wish I, I really should go get a massage, but I've got this sports chiropractor who is like, I call him Dr. Miracle because he, I've brought any injury I've ever had any tightness, any issue goes right to him. And he is phenomenal. I feel like it, it takes a village truly. And he is just like instrumental on my team of keeping me. He's, I think I met him at a 5k actually. He had a little tent at the post race party and he's been my chiropractor ever since. Cause he's, he, he's one of the few medical providers who didn't tell me I needed to stop running. You know, a lot of times I go in for whatever, whatever. And they're like x-raying my hips. Like you need to stop running. No, no. <laughs> you know, Marsha, it's so funny that you say that because I, um, I have um, a woman who uh, is a sport chiropractor as well, and I, I have been having what I thought was a lot of back pain, um, and it's been going on for a while. And I went to see her, and she was able to adjust me, and said, kind of my um, everything was very tight, but then she told me to foam roll. And what I thought was a back issue actually has gone away and um, is really more of a muscle issue. So I loved um, because when I've gone, when I went to my primary care physician to talk about my back pain, she gave me a pain medicine, which Mm -hmm. I don't care to take. So I do agree when you have a a good um, sport chiropractor or, and there's acupuncturists and things like that, who really look at how the whole skeleton is put together, how the muscles work together. And, um, I do think that that's a great person to have, you know, on your team. I uh, could not agree more. Absolutely. Um, You know, I wish I lived with a chiropractor. Maybe I'll make Tim get his, you know, certification because like, how about those days when you wake up and your neck is kinked (laughs) and you're like, if I just had a chiropractor, I would be fine. And then you have to live with it for like five days. I, know. I, I don't think your I husband. I don't think you should ever have your spouse be like. <laughs> unless There'd that be a lot of yelling. I feel like that could go wrong, especially on a bad True. day when you're angry with each other. True. They they should only manhandle you in a certain way, not necessarily <laughs> in a medical, functional no. way. <laughs> no. oh, so, Marsha, we have a fun little thing. Um, where uh, at the end of, of um, every podcast, I do three takeaways because, you know, from working with me, I, I like my bullet points and my, you know, I can't ever just let everything, everything hang out there. So um, I have been taking good notes um, and have a few takeaways. So can I do those now, Nicole, or is there- Bring them, bring oh. it on. So these are my three takeaways. And sometimes I know what they are before we do the podcast, but this, I was letting them all come just as I was listening to this. So my first takeaway, which I heard throughout the entire conversation today was the need to listen to your body at all times and that everybody is different. So we can talk about recovery. We can do all those things, but really it is key in your training and in your recovery. Um, to always listen to your body. So that is takeaway number one, because your body will tell you what is happening. So, um, and then um, takeaway number two 
is that you will actually get in better shape when you allow your body to recover. Um, if you take the time to recover, you'll become better, faster, fitter, stronger um, when rather than just pushing through a workout every single day, uh, which I think is is very interesting um, as well. And then um, I actually have four takeaways. Sorry, I was trying to consolidate my bullet points, but I can't can't do it. So the other that I have never, and maybe everyone else on this podcast knows this already that's listening, but that recovery really can be active, that it's not about coming in. It's not about sitting down and, or just sleeping in someday and and resting, but really keeping um, your body moving without overexerting it, hydrating it, stretching it, foam rolling it, um, compressing it, like Recovery is an active recovery is a verb, right? Not a, I'm not very good with recover <laughs> is a but verb. Recovery is recovery a is a verb. Yes. It's, it's close, active. close enough. We'll call it that. Right. Okay. And then this quote, which I loved, uh, Marsha was that when you commit to training, you also have to commit to recovery. And Nicole, you echoed that with the four, you know, um, training being another component of what you were doing as a professional athlete is just that you have to commit to both, both pieces of that in order for your training to be what it is. So those are my takeaways. Was there anything else that we should have included? Is anyone um, recovering from anything right now? Oh, (laughs) of us personally? Yes. No. Recovering, well, not even from New Year's, really. It was like the first time I didn't stay up for Chicago. I just went to sleep after New York. So not even that. I mean, maybe that has to do with what? Your priorities are different now than they used to be. This is true. Well, I'm recovering from trying to go out and explore all the ways that you can ski and enjoy snow. So I just came in from a two-hour cross-country skiing adventure with my husband, who was way ahead of me almost the whole time, but would stop and wait. This is something I actually hate. And it's a recovery thing. You know, when you go work out with people and the fast person waits for you, but then as soon as you get there, they start going again. Yeah. (laughs) So you can't ever recover. And in my previous life, I was the fast person. But now when I go out with Tim, I'm never the fast person. So anyway, my recovery is hanging out and talking to you. And I did not do a good job. I need to get my electrolytes going and Maybe I could be in a bath for the next uh, have a snack, next stretch. conversation. Yeah. Foam roll. Do you have a foam roller? <laughs> Thank yeah. you. We have like six. Notes. Yes. No. Done. Marsha, you're amazing. You are just so awesome. I love your passion. I just can see why you're committed to uh, helping other people improve their lives. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, it was yeah. my pleasure. I loved being here. And I would like to add, if you want to see more of Coach Marsha, learn more of the knowledge and wisdom, you can always catch her in one of our Zuma challenges. And she has her own blog, um, Marsha's Healthy Slice. Did I say that right? You did. Fantastic. So you can follow her on Instagram on Facebook and also go to her website. She's got great recipes as well. You can find her on our YouTube channel, um, the Zuma YouTube channel, and she has her own YouTube channel as well. So uh, check out Marsha and all the uh, great, great information that she has to offer. 
So thank you so much, Marsha. Thank you. Amazing. Well, I'm going to go like nap or something now. So I'm just going to try to shortcut it. Thanks again for coming on. Sarah, do we have any other housekeeping today? I don't think so. No, well, leave us a review. If you liked what you heard, let Five us stars. know. Tell us about your recovery in the comments. We love to hear what yeah. you've got going on as well. If yeah. you have any tips and tricks that have worked for you, we'd love to hear those as well. Yeah, because we all learn from each other. So bring it on. All right, everybody. It's a wrap. Episode six, Honor Thy Recovery with our special guest, Marsha Cadence is in the bag. All right. See ya. Audio Jungle.